Welcome to the Nourished Woman podcast, hosted by yours truly, Gabby Worsrink, holistic nutritionist and passionate women's health educator. Together on this podcast, we are going to open up the conversation around hormones, holistic healing, relationships, self-development, and everything in between, so you can feel empowered, educated, and ready to take your health and life into your own hands. Great. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Nourished Woman podcast. On today's episode, we have Alex Massey with us. She is the host of the Down There Aware podcast. Alongside her co-host and mom, Mary Massey, their mission is to help women know their bodies, be their own health advocates, and become confident in who they are as women after their own experience with endometrial cancer. I am really excited to have this conversation today, so thank you so much for coming on today, Alex. Yes, thanks so much for having me. I can't wait to dive into everything. So for those of us that don't know you, could you share a little bit about your story and what brought you to being so passionate about advocating for women's health care? Yeah, absolutely. So about a year ago, I was diagnosed with stage one endometrial cancer um, at the age of 32. Um, It's pretty rare to be diagnosed so young. It's usually a condition found in women who are uh, in menopause. So um, the immediate action was to have a full hysterectomy. Um, I kept my ovaries, but as a woman who um, had not had any children, it you know kind of took a big blow to um, to have cancer and then on top of that be able to lose the ability to have any children in the future. Um, and so after that experience that really was a whirlwind um, from diagnosis to um, full hysterectomy was just about a week and a half. Um, And so because of that, I really started to dig into my past and my history and say, like, were there signs that I should have known that I was experiencing um, cancer and that I, you know, was something, there was something wrong with my body. And the more I looked into it, there are signs and symptoms, but we're just not taught um, as women or even as, you know, young teenagers um, what to look for to to really see that because it is seen as an older person's disease. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, so you know, some of the signs and symptoms um, are abnormal or heavy bleeding, um, which, you know, as a young person, I so I started my period really young. I started when I was only 10 years old. And because of that, um, I just thought it was familial. My mom had started her period young. My aunts had started their periods young. And so it really didn't mean anything to me. And then I never really had a regular cycle. So, you know, the typical 28-day cycle that you track on your phone. And mine was always irregular. And that was attributed to, well, you're overweight or it's familial. You're, you know, your mom has never had a regular period. So that's okay. But really those were early warning signs that, um, I had the potential to grow cancer within my uterus. So, um, just being aware of our bodies is really what we wanted to, um, show through our podcast and to help other other people understand that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk about our bodies. I mean, half of the population has our anatomy. So mm-hmm. it certainly is, um, is a topic that shouldn't be taboo anymore. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And like you were mentioning too, going back to like, we kind of think of it as like a menopause, um, something you go through with menopause and it's not really on your radar when you're young. Like before I was chatting with you and you reached out to me, I I really, I'll be honest, it was never something on my radar that like, wow, I'm 23 right now. Like this could be something I could experience in like 
10 years or, or less than that, which is crazy. Yeah. And I was really, you know, all of my doctors said, it's really rare for you to have it this young. It's really rare. And, you know, we have some OB-GYN uh, friends in the family. And so we reached out to them and they said, in all of my years of practicing, I've never seen anyone so young. But then I got into Facebook and Googled a little bit and I found a support group that has hundreds of members in it who are all under the age of 45 and who were not experiencing menopause before they were diagnosed. And so I'm very fortunate. Mine was caught really early. Um, I had started a new birth control and was bleeding for a whole month and um, traveling internationally at the time and was just fed up with it, frankly. So I went to the doctor and I was like, okay, what are, what's the deal? Um, and so he did a diagnostic, uh, DNC procedure. And that's when they sent it off to pathology and found that it was cancer. But had I just been kind of okay with, well, I'm just going to bleed. It'll be okay. And a lot of people do that. Um, and, you know, we don't really look into it until we get fed up with it. So, um, you know, just bringing awareness to, hey, maybe pay attention to that discharge or maybe pay attention to your period starting a little bit later or being um, heavier than normal. Um, all of those changes are something that you definitely can talk to your doctor about. And they, you know, they're the experts. And we like to say that all the time on our podcast. We are not doctors. We're not experts. It's just our personal experience. But to help people just think about, oh, well, maybe, maybe I should look into that. Maybe that is something I should discuss in my next annual exam. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like there's never, I feel like it's just better to be safe than sorry. You know, there's never a stupid question. There's never, um, you know, a doctor's appointment where it's like, oh, that was a waste. It's like, you just, you should just go and double check just to be safe. Cause you never know, like you said. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back, I know you mentioned that from when you went to your doctor to when you had the hysterectomy was quite quick. So could you share a little bit about um, what happened initially when you found out that you had endometrial cancer and sort of what options or like the timeline there with what your doctor gave you? Yeah. So I had my diagnostic procedure um, on a Wednesday. And then the following Sunday, I flew actually across the country for a work conference. Um, And then a couple days later, um, I was still a the conference and got the phone call that I had cancer, um, which was kind of startling. I was alone in a city I'd never been in. Um, and so I immediately came home and, you know, called to get an appointment with the oncologist. And I think they had had a cancellation because I got in in just two days time. Um, and so I went in to see them and after talking, you know, we discussed, um, we didn't really discuss in full detail about fertility sparing treatments and things like that. I was just more of, you know, there are other ways to be a mom and I'll have to figure that out later, but I would rather not have cancer growing inside of me. Um, and that was just my personal choice. And, you know, there are a lot of women who opt to go, um, for the fertility sparing route and that's totally okay. Um, and so they, you know, were looking at the schedule and they said, well, how's this was a Friday. They said, well, how's next Tuesday? So it was, it was a real whirlwind, um, a lot of emotions going on as you can imagine. Um, so that was kind of the, the step through there. And then after my hysterectomy, it was a pretty, I had a robotic, um, hysterectomy that was done laparoscopically. And so that is uh, a procedure where 
there's not a lot of uh, healing to be done per se. There's, um, you know, you recover pretty quickly. Um, so I took a couple weeks off of work and really just took it easy, more for, I think, emotional healing than um, physical healing. And then after that, I see my oncologist every three months um, and she just performs a normal uh, pelvic exam like you would at a normal gynecologic visit. Um, and then every six months, I get a cat scan um, where I drink this really disgusting <laughs> um, radiation, really. You're just drinking um, you know, minerals that can be seen through uh, the scan. Um, and so just to check on everything. And so far, everything has been fine. And um, you know, knock on wood, I'm actually two days out from my one-year um, diagnosis anniversary, I guess you could say. Um, so one year down, the you know, they say they don't really like to look at being quote cancer free until you're five years out. So one year down, four to go. But um, so far things have been been pretty good. Wow, that's amazing. So it's almost your one year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. you know, it's um I like to think about it as AC and BC before cancer and after cancer. So mm-hmm. it's um we're moving forward and it's uh been like the longest and shortest year of all, especially with all the COVID stuff that has changed everything. But um right. But yeah, it's been it's been as uh, good as it could be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So, um, when it kind of was all going down and everything happened so fast, did you feel like you were in shock, like through that, like because you said it was Friday that you um, had talked to your oncologist, then it was like the Tuesday that you were going to have the surgery. So, was it like a shock still, or did you feel like it took you some time to process everything that was going on? Oh, for sure. It was definitely a shock. I, um, mm-hmm. you know, I went home from that appointment on Friday and uh, went into work just to tell them that I wasn't going to be there, um, you know, for everything. And, and then I just, I made a list of the people I needed to tell in person. And so they weren't seeing it on the internet. Um, uh, and so going through that process was kind of therapeutic, but in the same time it was telling the same story over and over. And so I mm-hmm. kind of became numb to it. Um, but I will say I had a bit of a, um, breakdown, I guess, in the prep room for surgery. Um, my parents were there and then good family friends were there. Um, and so we were all just kind of waiting and they come, you know, they come in and do all the normal stuff. They give you an IV and you change into their gown and all, you know, it's very all routine. Um, but for whatever reason, they, um, came to put, uh, one of the tubes on me and I just lost it and I started crying. And so it, it's one of those things that over the course of this year, I've really had to work on emotionally, you know, how has this impacted me? Because physically, honestly, I'm really fine. You know, I still get checked up and everything, but I don't have cancer in me right now. And they're still going to look for it for the next four years, but it's really been more emotional than anything else. And so, yeah, those first couple days and even I will say over the course of the weekend, I started thinking, well, what if during the DNC, because essentially that just scrapes out your uterus and all the cells in there. And I was thinking, well, what if that took all the cancer out and I don't have cancer anymore? And then they take my uterus out and it's it's fine. So on uh, Monday after that weekend, we actually called the um, the PA and said, okay, we have a few questions. Is this like, have you ever pulled anybody's uterus out? And then, oh, there's no cancer. And she was like, no, that has never happened. And that was the case for me. It, there was still a tumor in there, even though it was very small. Um, 
And so it was the right decision for me, but there was all of that apprehension and, um, you know, and as grateful as I am, um, that it went by quickly so that I didn't have a lot of time to stew on it. I still sometimes think, well, what if I had taken a little bit more time? Um, because the, the fact is uterine cancer grows very slowly. Um, typically it grows very slowly. And so, you know, waiting a week or two really would not have changed my outcome, um, likely. So I probably could have taken a little more time, but you hear the word cancer and you think, get it out. Mm -hmm. Like, what do, what do I have to do to get it out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine just like going from one day, everything's normal to like finding out that you have cancer. Like that must be so hard to wrap your head around that. Yeah. It's crazy. And I will say, because it's not common in younger people, um, my doctor, when he was explaining the DNC procedure and when even the day of, he said, we're going to go in, we're going to clean you out and we'll put uh, an IUD in there so it won't, those cells won't grow anymore. Um, and he said, you were too young to get this kind of cancer. There's no way you have it. And when it came back that I actually had cancer, he was mortified and he apologized profusely. And so, um, and it's not his fault. He had never seen it before. And um, so that's another thing we talk to physicians about often is, you know, maybe we could have a better uh, phrasing of instead of there's no way you can get this cancer, just say it's not common, but we're going to look for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's it's so hard. I think for doctors to say like it's kind of that's pretty definitive. Like, okay, you're you know it's pretty rare. You're never gonna get that, or it couldn't possibly be that. Because then like it's not even on your radar anymore. You're kind of like, okay, it's fine. There's no chance of me having that. Yeah, I mean, it was totally off my radar. I mean, I flew across the country because I was like, oh, this is nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It'll come back fine. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it definitely yeah. took us for a shock. Wow. That is crazy. My dad actually had a similar experience with that. Um, He has Parkinson's, but prior to getting diagnosed, his doctor, before doing any tests, before looking further, they just said, oh, I think you have Parkinson's. And that just obviously made his mental health like really, really poor. It's it's horrible because it's like there was no evidence of that. And yeah, maybe they suspected it, but you really can't say anything until you have the concrete information. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I am... I like to consider myself pretty scientifically minded. And so I like data and I like having different points of data and different ways to collect it. And so when someone whose profession is medicine, you trust them. And so, you know, when they say something so definitive, you're like, okay, science usually isn't this definitive, but I'm going to go with it and I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust you. So, um, and I have no ill will toward him. He's a, he's a really great doctor, but I, um, I did say maybe next time, don't be so specific. Maybe just leave it open-ended a little bit more. Yeah, that was probably like a good learning lesson for him for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, talking about doctors. I know right now we mentioned kind of COVID before, so that kind of disrupts everyone's like medical, um, like normal medical checkups, stuff like that. Um, and it's really concerning too, because a lot of people aren't going to their regular pap tests. They're not going for their normal screenings and things like that. And I see a lot of women um, that I've talked to as well that want to put off these tests because their doctors don't want to see them and things like that. Um, what are your tips are uh, for being your own health advocate and really pushing for testing or getting these appointments done? Yeah. Well, I would definitely say, um, you know, pushing it off, pushing your annual pap off a couple weeks, months, even um, if you're not experiencing any symptoms. And of course, this is my non-expert advice, but um, 
experience, you know, if you're not experiencing anything like pain or bleeding um, or, you know, funky discharge or anything like that, you're probably going to be okay pushing it back, waiting for the COVID um, scenario to kind of calm down. But if you have any issues, I would call your doctor and and insist on being seen. Um, and, you know, I know here in Florida, I can, if my doctor says I can't see you, I can call somebody else um, who's, you know, on my insurance still, maybe in a different group or a different doctor in that same practice and say, hey, I can't be seen. Can I come in there? Um, and so I even if you have to do that, even if you're not seeing your doctor, um, mm-hmm. I would definitely do that. And if you feel that it's really severe, go to that urgent care, go to that emergency room. If you really feel like, okay, I'm bleeding so heavily, I'm dizzy or, um, you know, I can't function. Um, that's really a time to be your own advocate. And, you know, yesterday was actually my one-year checkup with my oncologist. And when they took me back, the nurse said, you know, it's pretty busy. Would you be okay seeing a different doctor? Um, Because your doctor, you know, is a little bit backed up. And at first I said, yeah, 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 that's fine. And then I I paused and I said, actually, no, I need the consistency with this doctor because she specializes not only in endometrial cancer, but the type of endometrial cancer that I have. And I said, so I would really like to see her. I don't mind waiting. And that's That's not something I would have done a year ago. And so, you know, you can't because I would be afraid of, oh, what are they going to think of me? Or am I, you know, oftentimes we get too polite, I think, especially with doctors. And you don't have to be rude, but you can be persistent. Um, because you're, it's your body and you're the one who has to live with it. And, you know, if there's a potential for a disease like cancer, you really have to speak up for yourself. So I would just encourage your listeners to um, know their bodies and mark changes. And if you feel that you need to be seen, call until you have an appointment made. I will say, um, my last appointment uh, with my oncologist before this one was still during COVID. Um, and it was a telehealth. I didn't have an exam, obviously, but we got on the phone and we talked about my symptoms, what was happening. And she felt that that was an okay kind of um, midterm appointment because I had just been seen. I had just had a uh, CAT scan three months earlier. And so she thought, okay, this is a time where we can just have a conversation. And if you're not having any symptoms, then you don't have to come in for that exam. So that's also an option if your doctor is offering telehealth um, mm-hmm. to go ahead and, and have that conversation because that might lead them you know, through a series of questions that might lead them to say, oh, actually, we really need you to come in. Um, so don't be afraid to ask for all kinds of resources uh, that they're offering. Mm-hmm. I love all of those tips. I um I had an experience with my doctor. Obviously, it wasn't anything like too extreme, but I was feeling fatigued, and I was like, okay, I want to get blood work done. So I called them, and I'm like, I want to get like my vitamin D checked, B12 stuff like that. And they were like, oh, well, your last test from like a year or so ago, it looks good. So I think you should be fine. Don't worry about it. What? And I was like, and I, was like oh. <laughs> I know. And I was like, anything could happen in a year, but also like I know myself. I know that I don't feel the same I feel from a year ago. So it's just crazy how you really, like you said, you have to really be persistent and be on them and you know yourself better than anybody else, right? Yes, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
especially with the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening in uh, the states right now, I've been following a lot more um, Black women who um, are on Instagram and Twitter, and and I've seen a lot of people post that uh, if a doctor refuses you a test, just ask them to put that refusal in writing in your chart um, just to have it notated like, no, um, we're not going to do this chart or, you know, this test or whatever. Okay, sure. Can you just put that in my chart in writing that you're refusing to do this test? And oftentimes they'll say, oh, okay, we'll do it because they would rather have that test done, even though they think maybe you don't need it, than to actually write down, we refuse to do this test. Um, And apparently that's a tactic that a lot of black women have had to use. and so, you know, learning and taking that that technique, um, that might also so help as well. Wow, that's crazy. I know it's there's so much that's getting like shared now, which is amazing. Um, but it's also really sad if you look at like what we have to do in order to get that care that we want. Yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's um, it has been very, really frustrating. And but I will say I've learned so much. And that's why we started our podcast. And that's why I reached out to you, Gabby, because we want to just share the message. We want people to be um, confident women who can advocate for their own health and what they know is best because nobody is with your body longer than you are. And so you know the ins and outs, you know what's kind of funky and what's normal. And so being able to express that to a doctor and actually have them listen is one of the best feelings. So um, when you do find that good relationship with a doctor, um, be open and ask those questions and don't be, don't be nervous. Don't be embarrassed. Like that's what they do. They look at bodies, they hear bodies, they, you know, that's what they learn to do. That's their passion. And so there's no judgment in it. And I think oftentimes we as women have, you know, just been told to like, be quiet, sit in the corner, listen, do as you're told. Um, but really speaking up and, uh, out for ourselves and for others who can't do that, um, it is really the best thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. It really is. I love all of that. Um, so on the topic of being your own health advocate, what are two things that listeners can do starting today, uh, to become more educated and aware of signs of gynecologic cancers and just be their own health advocate? I for sure would um, check out your local area health um, website, whether that is a CDC website or um, the American Cancer Society has uh, a lot of resources, as well as even down to, um, you know, here in Florida, we have a really great research hospital at, at the University of Florida, and they have a really great um, cancer unit. And so they have statistics. And then you can find that all on their website. You can find all of that information. Um, and I also will say there are a ton of um, YouTube channels and Instagram channels uh, that you can go and find people's personal stories and, you know, compare them to your own and see, uh, how, how they shape up to what you, um, are experiencing as well. And then, you know, for habits, I would say just get into the habit and, you know, it doesn't have to be formal. You're writing it down in, um, in a journal, certainly that helps, but, um, just track changes within your body. So, you know, maybe it was abnormal for me to have an irregular cycle, but when it started to change, I had to take notice of that. You know, I changed birth control and then I started, my period got heavier and it lasted for much longer. So those were changes that I had to track myself. And if I didn't 
speak up and say, hey, this is different, my doctor really would have never known. So just being aware of what your body is doing normally and then any little changes um, just to to look at that. And then also look at the environmental factors that are surrounding you. Like, what did you change? For me, I changed my birth control pill. You know, is it, are you in a different area? Did you eat something different? You know, just kind of make those mental notes. And so once you get into the habit of tracking your body um, informally in that way, it'll make you even more keen to notice when something changes, even uh, minutely. Mm-hmm. That is like the best, best tip ever. And that's actually something I get my clients to do too. I recommend the Kandara app. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't. But, um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah it's, re- yeah, it's a really awesome app. You can track like your basal body temperature, cervical fluid, your period, like any symptoms in your cycle. And it's really awesome because you can customize it to like symptoms that you get or anything that pops up. So like you said, like having that, all that info, we tend to forget like, you know, last month's cycle or, the, you know, a few months ago. But having that info is like the most powerful information because you can see where there's patterns. You can see if anything new pops up, like where you noticed. Um, and then giving your doctor that is like solid information. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's and it's even better when you can write it down and have it in an app or something because I can't tell you how many times I would go into my annual PAP and they'd be like, okay, well, when was the start date of your last period? And I'm like, who remembers that? <laughs> like, oh, I started on the 12th last month. No, I have to like look it up. So for me, that's really helpful. Um, and I will definitely check out that app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. So where can we find you online and where can everyone listen to all of your info that you're sharing? Yeah, absolutely. We are um, on all social media platforms at Down There Aware. Um, Our website is www.downthereaware.com. And then you can find our podcast on any major um, podcast host. So uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of those. So wherever you find your podcast, wherever people are listening to Gabby right now, um, you can probably find Down There Aware. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Alex, and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Gabby. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed or have some feedback, I would really appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. I will also have all of Alex's links to her podcast as well as her social media down below so you can connect with her and join her community as well. We have new episodes of the Nourish Woman podcast coming out every single Monday, so be sure to check back and we will see you next week.